Welcome to the Barbells and Briefcases podcast, the official business and fitness podcast coming at you with the conversations that you care about in fitness and business. As always, it's our goal to provide you with the values, information, and resources to help you with your goals. My name is Nick Saka. I'm here with me is my co-host John Miller, Randall Denson, and today we have a very special guest, super fired up to have him here. He's been a, a mentor of mine for, for a couple years now. Um, he is a high school dropout that turned his passion into a multi-million dollar 25-year career. He's referred to as the godfather of goth comics as, uh, as he is the producer and writer known for Razor and many more. Razor is currently in development for a major movie picture. He, he's lost 60 pounds after becoming vegan. Everett, thanks for joining us on the show. Nice to be here. Hey. For all our listeners that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about you and your story. Uh, well, um, my name's Everett Hartso, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been doing uh, comic books for uh, about 25 years now, and, uh, you know, it's something that uh, was a passion of mine since I was a little boy, and you know, I just started doing it, you know. Right. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Uh, what else? <laughs> yeah. So talk to us, like, like what what is it about art and comics that, mm. that fascinates you? Like, like why did you, choo- oh, okay. why'd you okay. choose this route? You know what I mean? Why did I choose this route? Well, um, I tell you, um, coming up, I was the oldest kid uh, in my family, so I didn't have a lot of... Uh, friends where we uh where i was raised in uh, star town north carolina so i found um you know my imagination through drawing and uh, reading comics and stuff like that so that it was an outlet for me to uh, to escape right to uh to have friends even though they were imaginary <laughs> He's, I'm a i have friends <laughs> No one else can see him but me. But um, it, it was just something that uh, it came to me naturally. I remember drawing at the age of five. So uh, my mom would bring home comic books. Um, she would work the third shift, and she would bring home comic books for me. And, you know, I'd read them and draw them. And it just had the dream of creating stories. And, you know, comics, that was just a, a way for me to tell my own stories. So... That's how I got into it. Did you have a particular thing that inspired you? Um, um, like a particular comic book hero or or a piece of art? Like, was, was oh, there yeah, something yeah. that inspired that? Well, um, let's see. I'd say, uh, you know, I was into, I'd say around 10, 11 years old. Uh, there was a movie that came out called uh, Heavy Metal. It was an animated movie, but it was for adults. And... Uh, you know, my mom didn't know that, so <laughs> it was an R-rated uh, animated movie called Heavy Metal, and that, uh, 10, 11, uh, I was like 12 years old, and watching that, I was like, wow, this is cool, that, you know, they're making these cartoons, uh, you know, move, and it was really violent and stuff, and uh, I don't know, it just, that type of art form really inspired me to to want to do that, you know, I wanted to to draw and, and whether it be cartoons, whether it be comic books, or you know, I just loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just uh, it gave me this extra high. So you took it. I was a nerd. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I was a nerd. You've taken that to a whole new level because I mean, yeah, what, what you yeah. created in your head is yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a, a a major movie production and one, yeah, a cool yeah. thing is when I was when I was growing up I used to like the movie uh, Triple X. Yes. Yes. And the guy that Vin Diesel and with Vin Diesel and the guy mm-hmm. that's directing this film, yes. Rob Cohen is going to be the guy that directs this film for you. That is correct. Oh, that's he, cool. he, yeah, he also uh is writing the screenplay. As a matter of fact, he will be turning in his second draft in just days. Wow. So yeah, I mean it's it's pretty impressive. I, I don't know, it's kind of surreal to me because right. I'm a big fan of Rob Cohen too. You know, Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. He did the first one, so 
you know, I've been following his career forever. And uh, when I found out that he was um, attached to do Razor, I mean, it's just a surreal feeling. It's like, wow, is this real? Is this uh, a dream? I don't know. <laughs> so right. it, it is kind of crazy. Tell us about Razor. Tell well, us about Razor is, um, you know, Razor is just is a, a type of character that is is really more of an emotional um, release. When I was um, going through a depression, and it was uh, it was uh, around the time when uh, I say I was like 15 years old. And uh, that's when my uh, sister passed. I had a sister who was like 12 years old. And uh, she was murdered by, uh, by uh, like a, I don't want to say a family member, but, well, I mean, you know, it was uh, my mom's boyfriend at the time. Mm. So that was devastating to me. But I was able to take that anger because I was lashing out. I was like 15, lashing out, quitting school and uh, vandalizing you know, doing all kinds of stuff. You know, I was just, I lost it. And then I, I caught myself and channeled all that anger, all that pain into my art. And so I'd say about age of 19, 19, 20, that's when I decided to start doing art all the time. Because I found it um, almost like a meditation yeah, a medicine. You know, you know, it was a, it was a good, uh, it was a good way for me to not act out physically, uh, not do something stupid, wind up in jail. You know, that type of thing. So, art saved me. <laughs> you know, so right. razor saved me. Wow. Um, and uh, you know, uh, razor is just a combination of some of the characters I liked, like Wolverine, um, the Crow. You know, things that were hot back in the, the early 90s. So it was like a combination of uh, things. Um, I don't know if you guys remember back when MTV actually showed uh, uh, actual music videos and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. But there, there was this uh, cartoon called um, uh, Eon Flux. I don't know if you've, heard, you've, heard, of, you've heard of Eon familiar, Flux. Yeah. Uh, they actually did a movie with Charlene Theron. Yeah. But it was a cartoon back in the early 90s. And I watched this, it was like uh, six minutes long. And it just showed this this girl. There was no dialogue in it whatsoever. And it just showed this this girl in a skimpy costume, and she was just going through uh, this corridor of all these, these uh, henchmen, and she was just mowing them down, just killing them, you know, just like bang, 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 bang. And I said, man. That is beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. And that's when I decided to make uh, my character a female. I said, uh-huh. you know, yeah, why not? You know, a, a real tough, uh, no-holds-barred type of storyline, uh, a female revenge story. And When you created that, that had to have been like one of the, one of the first of its kinds, right? It, yeah, it was. It was. Especially um, using a female. Yeah, I mean, there, of course, there were other female uh, comic book characters, but n- none really took it to a level like like a Wolverine or something like right, that. Right. You know, they didn't have that ultra violence that I put into my comics. Mm. I went that way because uh, I didn't want to compete with Marvel or you know Spider Man and, and you know Superman and stuff like that. So I wanted to make my comic rough. Rated R for adults, you know. <laughs> you know, right. I wanted to tell the story the way I wanted to tell the story, uncensored. Why not? I'm I'm the artist, I'm the writer, and soon I became the publisher, so mm-hmm. I could do whatever I wanted to. So, one thing, you're a huge fan of the the Logan movie that came out. Love it, love it, because the most recent one, and that was yeah. a hell of a movie. Yeah, yeah. and I think you, loved it. You, I, and I saw that you, the reason why you liked it the most. Is because it, it keeps it real. Like keeps Wolverine's real. a depressed dude. You yeah, know what I mean? Yes, like like his yes, dude yes, can't yes, die. Yes, he's right. he's seen all the people he's mm-hmm. loved die. Good point. And yeah. and in this movie, he he's you see him like <laughs> yeah. depressed. Like he's drinking. Yeah, like he's, he's, drinking, all he's down. Up. He's down and out. And uh, he musters up enough to save you know the the rest of the the people there. So he and um, 
I loved it. I, I love it when someone so, can so just... It, make, it makes sense to me why you like yeah, it so much now. They dig down, find that one last ounce to do what they got to do. And then, you know, I love that. So, mm-hmm. I love that movie. Hmm. And so... It, it so it just crazy that clicks to me now that why, why that movie yeah, is yeah yeah and and you Wolverine know Razor inspired you exactly and you know Razor is is that same you know uh, that same type of machine where you know she's going through it but she knows she has a job to do she'll she won't stop until it's done you know almost a Terminator type of thing you know right, right. I, you know I had to I had to throw some humanism. Into the story, I had to throw a little bit of um, uh, some things that uh, people can relate to. Um, and some storylines, she had a drug problem, you know, other storylines of dealing with depression and things like that. So, you know, I try to keep it as grounded as possible, you know, as I'm, I'm doing the story. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited that someone recognized the comic, uh, you know, I self-published the book, black and white. You know, it wasn't even a color comic book. <laughs> it was black wow. and white. But uh, here I am. It's uh, six million copies later. So wow, I was just going to ask you, you know, worldwide, how many, how you many know? copies have been published? Yeah, yeah, published six million copies. So and you've even you've even found things on eBay as far as like like old old, old comics. comics that yeah. people are flipping for like high price tags. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I've seen <laughs> it's uh, crazy. Like uh, Razor Zero, the the first thing I've done, the first thing I did, and it was like three thousand dollars. And I'm like, that's pretty humbling. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, even the the artwork from those books, like I was able to um, to obtain a couple of pages from like the very first issue of Razor. And uh, those pages will sell for you know several thousand a piece. So, you know, I'm 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 stoked. I'm ha- I'm very um, fortunate. I'm very grateful, and I've I've learned to be grateful uh, as I've gotten older. You know, yeah. <laughs> I remember back uh, when I first started the comic book uh, business, I was very cocky. You know, because mm. the, the the book sold immediately. Uh, there was no learning curve. There was no well, it's got to build up. It came out of the gate. It came out of the gate, and I was instantly hit, flushed with cash, like hitting a jackpot. Uh, I think that first year I was in business, I did like three hundred, you know, three hundred thirty thousand dollars, you know. And this is coming that was from off one book. That was um, a combination of the uh, a few books coming out uh, for like three or four months. And I was able to pull up like $300,000. So, and that's coming from a guy that is a high school dropout. You know, I dropped out at 16. You know, it was just too much for me uh, going through all the uh, depression and stuff with the family. So I dropped out and I was just going to just submit to working in the, the factories. And um, I think it was, a, it was a New Year's Day when I decided that I wanted to make comic books my profession. And I said, this is this is something I want to do. And I had kids at that time, too, so it was very risky. <laughs> I remember my mom, my grandma saying, don't quit your job. You know, I, I was making 300 bucks a week, you know, working in a factory. I know everything about elastic yarn and uh, masking tape. I know everything about scotch tape, duct tape. Masking tape. I know how to glue the bottom of carpets. You know, <laughs> the, you know that glue that's on the bottom of carpets. I did all that stuff. You know, but I always had that love to draw comics. And uh, hell, I remember even the the first convention I went to, comic convention. I was seventeen. I had my portfolio. And I went, I'm just trying to envision that 17 year old Everett just, <laughs> with all the 17. big dogs. <laughs> and I had my portfolio. I went to this comic convention, so I wanted to show my stuff to another artist that was there as a as a guest. And he was flat out. He told me I couldn't make it, straight up. And I took my portfolio. I mean, that's when I was just a you know a little crybaby. You know, and I took my portfolio and I threw it in the trash. Damn. 
I didn't draw anything for two years after that. Oh, my goodness. It took till when I was 19. Um, I met a girl that was also an artist, and um, she kind of inspired me to get back into it. And so by the time I was 19 and 20, I had made it my mission to see this through. I said, you know something? I have a talent. The universe gave me a talent, but I'm not using it. So what good am I? What am I going to become if I don't use what's given to me? So I decided to use it and turn that stuff on. I've, you know, found out, uh, you know, how to distribute, how to publish, how to print, you know, all the, the little things to, to set up my own business. And, uh, the rest is history. You know, I, uh, I printed the first book. I got the first check. I think my first check ever was seven thousand dollars. Wow! And I went into the boss, <laughs> the boss man's office, and I said, "Hey, man, I need to try this. And if it doesn't work, can I have my job back? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just making sure that I have a job if this doesn't work out. Just you know. Um, and so it was like seven thousand. I was good, but then the, the next book came out, and it was like thirteen thousand. So I was like, okay, all right. And it was on. It was off to the races. So, uh, and I just expanded. You know, Razor is what they call a bad girl comic. The, the, I came out in 1991, uh, and then other companies, other artists started to create their own bad girl comics. Oh, I'm sure you had some a lot of, oh, yeah. a lot of knockoffs yeah, versions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, Pl- plenty of guys came in and, and followed what um, what I had started. Mm-hmm. You know, making a tough, uh, you know, tough ass female uh, led comic book. You know, no no bullshit. And then other guys started following suit. And to some point, even Marvel and DC started to follow what I was doing. But by the time I was in the mid '90s, I was the number six publisher in the world. Uh, we were doing like a hundred thousand a month, so it was crazy. But I was stupid. I was young and dumb. Uh, imagine some of the friends you went to high school with suddenly getting hit with a a, a lotto, a jackpot. Right. You know they're going through. They all mooching off you. Oh man! I mean, I came was came out the woodworks, huh? dude. I was taking my boys to the strip club for lunch. <laughs> you know, we were blowing money left and right. The big house. I had six cars. I don't need six cars. Nah. I got one ass. I don't need six cars. So, but I was just throwing the money out there like a crazy fool, you know. And by the time that ride ended, at the end of the nineties. I was bankrupt. I had nothing. I had nothing. So the having that money, making a million was easy. Losing the million and coming back—that's the—that's when it gets hard. If you can survive going down and coming back, then you are the phoenix. You can do anything at that point, and so. That's I'm here today, <laughs> and here today cranking it up again. So, you know, uh, that's that's what I would tell people is that look, I mean, you might be down and out now, and you may think that you only have one idea in you, but you have a you know unlimited amount of ideas. You know, the ideas are already in the universe. Mm-hmm. You just have to, uh, uh, you know, tune your. Uh, I guess tune your senses to be able to pull more ideas down out of the ether. You know, that's how I look at it. You know, right. they're all here. We just got to pull them down. We got to find right. them. We got to find them. And um, so I, I think at the end of the 90s, I, I left uh, North Carolina, came to Vegas, started a new company here in Vegas. I uh, actually built uh, three web companies and sold them, you know. And that's what I was doing. I was building companies online, uh, affiliate programs, and flipping them, like people flip houses. <laughs> you know, so right. it was. Uh, and, and then I, I slowly got back into comics. I was very um, jaded after the bankruptcy and how the uh, the industry kind of changed as far as distribution. So 
you know, it took me a, a minute to to gather my my bearings, but the love for comics kept whispering in my ear. It's like, you know, it's it's like that woman that you you love but you hate. Man, when she calls and you gotta come running, <laughs> you gotta get running. You're like it's a love hate relationship with it. Yeah, but I came back. Uh, we made some movie deals. I'm taking it to the next level. Um, you know, I have a movie on Netflix now, uh, uh, Curse of Sleeping Beauty. It's on there right now, and that's just a, a small, um, a small comic I've, I did. I've heard of that movie. And they, you know, took them took that idea and flipped it into a, a, a nice, you know, independent movie. But you know, just seeing my name on screen, you know. Just seeing it is like, you know, based on the comic book by Everett Hart. So it was like, damn. I have a question. Damn. Yeah. When you're creating these things, Mm -hmm. you're creating everything. Like the character, the story. Like that's all. You have to sit there in your your office or wherever you are. And you're literally creating it from seed to supplement. Yes. Like everything. What's the process of making just one comic book? Like how do you... How do you come up with the storyline? How long does it usually take? Okay, okay. Um, well, you, uh, okay, I'm working on a new book now called Hexan. So I go through and say, okay, what do I want this character? First of all, I start with the name. A name is, um, I mean, it's 90% of the sale of the, the product is the, the name of the product. So I came up with that, and uh, I said, okay, what does she do? And then I say, okay, uh, I want to do something supernatural. So, you know, because you, you, with every story, there's only a certain amount of things you can choose from right. in every story. Right. It's a revenge story, a horror story, a uh, love story, a this, a comedy, a this. There's only a few. Right. So you just pick and choose. You start to mix and match. And uh, then you start to, you know, run your story and just start to let it flow you know um you know most of the characters they all share my you know personality and so you know a little piece of my personality here and there um but yeah i mean i watch a lot of movies been watching a lot of movies since i was a kid so it, that helps you it know gives that, you ideas. it gives me ideas it gives me ideas um the news gives me ideas. Uh, just looking at weird stuff on on YouTube and TV and stuff, I get ideas uh, from some of these uh, you know crazy stories that that roll out there. So wow. it's uh, and it'll take me. I can get a whole story done in a week's time. Wow. Yeah. And you're drawing every single image that's in. Well, so some books I, I draw all of, but some books I hire other artists to mm, do, and I just okay. do the writing. Gotcha. You know, that's how I'm able to to produce du- so many. I duplicate yourself, or and, and, yeah. and do so many IPs, different characters and stuff. Um, you know, like I'll draw something that I'm really into, like Razor. You know, I'll draw and write that, uh, and make that like this one big piece of art. You know, even though it's like, you know, a hundred pages, but it's like one piece of art to me. And then like other stories that I just want to tell, I'll, I'll hire um, uh, other artists to come in and, and do the artwork from my script. Gotcha. So keep the publishing going. I have another question. Mm-hmm. Before the podcast, you said it's important to be a business man first. Yeah. And then an artist second. Yes, yes. I'm sure a lot of people struggle with this because they have a they have a, a strength in something, but they mm-hmm. don't have the business part down. How did you figure that out? Um, well, I you know I thought I had it figured out in the beginning, but <laughs> but I knew I had to be a, a businessman first before um, I could take the reins on as being the the artist. Uh, because I see so many artists that uh, are talented, they have the skills, they have the the mindset, but they don't have the ability to market or sell, or or how to merchandise their product, how to how to spread it out and to to get as many eyes on it as possible. They don't know how to do it, and uh, and sometimes it's to the detriment of the artist that they don't really know how to promote themselves. 
and they they cut themselves back from even trying you know like oh i just want to draw so i'll and and this is what happened with a lot of creators from uh, marvel and dc they create these characters then they go to the corporate office he's like hey let me work for you cool and they creating you know all these different characters you know spider-man and superman and stuff at the end of the day those companies own your creation i didn't want that to happen so I knew I had to make a choice. I'm like, I don't want to go to another company with my ideas and give them my ideas. They make the money. I get table scraps. So it, it was, it's just simple. You know, you got to learn this stuff. And was that involved copywriting and a yeah, lot of... Yeah, lot of- getting trademarks, copywriting, uh, finding the best printing prices, shipping prices, you know, paper quality, you know, all that stuff. I had to learn hands-on. And I know everything about paper, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I can feel some paper. Duct tape and and paper. No, you know, (laughs) oh, this is a 10-pound weight. This is a 100-pound piece of paper, card style or something. You know, I know these things now. Um, But it was something that had to be done. Otherwise, I would be sitting around penniless, like some of the great creators in in the world, um, Siegel and Schuster, they created Superman when they were kids, 17 years old. They created Superman, the first superhero ever. They just now got some money. Just now got some money. I, th- I think maybe in the 80s, when that first Superman came out, they, they got some money. Superman was created in 1938. Mm. They had to fight. I mean, uh, the you know their estate had to fight because those guys actually died uh, penniless. Man, they in in you know the guys that created Superman yes. didn't make no money. Didn't make no money. <laughs> didn't make no money. They sold. They sold it. Sold it to DC Comics. And uh, I I knew that's just not for me. That's not my thing. You know. Plus, I don't want anyone telling me what to do. <laughs> you know, if I'm gonna go through the pain of 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 my own entrepreneurial ship, I'm gonna go through the pain, so I'm going to take the rewards as well, you know. Right. So, and I, I I say that for everyone, you know, if you want all the rewards, you need to accept all the pain. Mm. Take it. Well, that's a quote. So right was there. that? Um... <laughs> and you're not gonna get there without the pain. You better embrace it, and you better love it. And you you know, after a while, you start to fall in love with the pain. You start to expect it. It's like, okay, this is gonna, this is gonna hurt. Mm. You know, <laughs> when I when I punch you, it's gonna hurt. I like that. But yeah. after a while, you're gonna say, yes, punch me. Let's go. Let's get this over with, so I can get to my reward. You so know? If you want all of the rewards, you need yeah. to be willing to accept all, all the, pain. the pain. I like it. That's all good. of it. I like it. What was uh, your question? Oh uh, yeah, was that. That was that the frustrate the most frustrating part for you when you were first starting off as an artist was to figure out how you could profit off of it. Uh, no, um, it it wasn't a, a frustrating time because I I profited off my uh, comic books early, and that is also a detriment to any entrepreneur. Early success, <laughs> early success will bust your ass. Early success will will jade you. It'll mess you up. It'll think you're indestructible. But see, life has a way of saying, "Uh-uh, you're getting ready to get knocked down one more time. Sit down. Be humble. Be humble." Yeah. <laughs> and you get knocked down again. And it it was the frustration came after I had early success, and I had all but given up on comics at the end of uh, the, the 2000s. And yeah, at the end of the 90s, that's when I you know, had to file bankruptcy. I got out of the business. And um, it, was, uh, it was a dark time for me, man. It was, uh, I didn't have anything to lose at that point. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, it, it took me a while to realize that some people put themselves in the state of uh, God, it, it, it's hard to explain, but some people actually get high on the struggle. And when they get to the top, when they get what they were looking for, 
They don't know what to do with it. And that was me. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to act. I didn't, you know, uh, I had no uh, skills as far as financial skills. Um, I remember my friend, uh, he was a, a, a bank manager. And my friend, the bank manager, told me, you got to diversify. You got to diversify. And I remember sitting there, cocky as hell. Ah, oh, man, I invested in me, man. I could do this and turn this and turn this and blah, blah, blah. And, man, it was just years later, I was flat broke. Flat broke, I should have diversified. <laughs> <laughs> I was broke, man. Oh, uh. man, it was tough. It was tough. <laughs> Woo. I got another yeah. question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is switching gears here because you've kind of sure, sure. just kind of touched on another question that I had. But okay. you made a decision uh, at some point in your life uh, to go vegan. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a big one. Talk to us about why one. you did that and some oh, yeah. and some of the the outcomes well, after that. Okay, um, it was right after my second divorce. <laughs> you know, so the second divorce and. Um, and I was like 240 pounds. I was miserable. Um, yeah, I was trying to, to, to get my life straight, but it, it just wasn't working. And I noticed, like my, my son is allergic to dairy. He's allergic to dairy, allergic to eggs and stuff like that. So I said, okay, okay. So if he can't eat this, I'm not going to have it in the house. So that was easy to get rid of dairy. So I'm just not going to have it in the house. If my son can't eat it, I'm not going to eat it. Okay, cool, cool. But I came across this one video on YouTube from Gary Yurosky. And he's, he, you know, he's a, a built guy, you know, just a regular guy, kind of built and stuff. And he starts talking to, uh, he, he's doing a lecture. Uh, actually, you can see it on YouTube. It's called The Greatest Speech Ever. That's the name of it. And he breaks down why and how we don't need animal protein in our diet to not only thrive, but to really excel to different levels. That the meat and the dairy is actually slowing progress and, and causing uh, an abundance of sickness. And I listened to it, I listened to it, I was like, huh, don't need meat, huh? Okay. You know, and I asked the same question, where do you get your protein? You know, that's that's the main question people ask, but if you if you uh, read up on protein itself, there's no such thing as a protein deficient person. It doesn't exist. You know, there's no uh, where you get your protein. You get your protein in everything. As a matter of fact, broccoli has more protein than a T-bone steak. And I started looking at things. And I started looking at you know my family. You know, my family, my mom going through uh, diabetes and uh, high blood pressure. Uh, uh, what else you get? You know, the cholesterol. You know, I have to take pills for everything now. And I said, huh, what if I just cut that out? And so I, I made a decision. Plus, I also wanted to be in control of my own willpower. So if people, you, you, you meet people that say, oh, man, I shouldn't eat at McDonald's. Oh, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. But then they keep going to McDonald's. They have no control over themselves. They have no willpower, no self-control. And I wanted to have at least one thing in my life that I can control, that I can say, guess what? I'm going to stop this, and I'm going to stop it right now. Cold turkey. It was April 15th. I stopped eating meat. Like, I, I, there were no mishaps. Nope, no, no. I, I posted it on Facebook. Uh, actually, that's how I got my third wife. You know, <laughs> she was like, "Oh, this boy is going vegan. I, I'm gonna see how long he stays vegan." I didn't know she was uh, scoping me at the time. You know, I was just doing it for me, and so I'm alone for the first time ever. You know, um, you know a lot of. A lot of people, when they break up with somebody, they usually have somebody else pretty quick, you know. And I wanted to take time for myself. I've never been by myself in my entire life, and I wanted to do that. And so for eight months, I'm alone. 
but I'm, I'm getting into uh, philosophy, I'm getting into meditation, I'm getting into to yoga, and, and being vegan. And so I was really, um, and it just, man, I'd say about two weeks into it, man, the changes start happening. I'm stronger, I'm faster, um, you know, I'm, I'm alert, I'm quick, you know, it was just like, whoa, and then it becomes addictive, it's like, wow, you know, uh, don't even ask me about uh, when it comes to the women. <laughs> I mean, they get in the, you know. <laughs> but that's what vegan will do for you. You become a powerhouse. I know it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. But look at the strongest man in the world. He's vegan. Strongest man in the world, Olympia, uh, Olympic uh, gold medalist. He's vegan. Some of these dudes in the UFC, they're turning vegan. Uh, NFL players going vegan. Why are they going vegan? Because it's giving them an edge. It's giving them a little something extra that, you know, a guy that eats meat, I mean, you can go work out and, and pump it up and stuff like that. But the, 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 the protein in animal products, what I've learned, you know, I mean, I ain't knocking anyone. You can eat what you want to, you know. <laughs> it's on you. I'm not preaching. But from, from what I've learned is that the animal proteins not only, uh, you know, clog up your arteries. That's what gives you, you know, cholesterol, bad, high cholesterol. Plants don't give you that. So I'll never have, I never have to deal with high cholesterol. I'll never have to deal with heart disease. You know, because that's thing, that stuff comes from animals. That comes from animal products. And then when you see how they're treated and uh, what they pump them full of and stuff, it's like, well, you're eating that. You know, this cow has cancer. You think they take that cow to the doctor <laughs> and treat that cow? No, man. They ground that cow up and they feed it back to the other cows and that's what you're eating. And that's why people are they're overweight because they look like cows. They're starting to look like cows. I mean, I'm not even trying to be funny about it. That's real. But when I was a kid, seeing somebody that was 300 pounds was rare. That was rare. It's like in school, you had one fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had the fat boy. You know, you made one one dude. He was fat. <laughs> now, if you are skinny. They they're picking on you. Oh man, you you got AIDS, man. You you ain't you sick. You're <laughs> like, no, nah, I'm not sick, dude. I'm just not eating what you eat. I don't go to the fast food restaurants now. I don't mess with that stuff. And I was went from two forty down to two eight not two forty down to one eighty something. Uh, it, it's on my Facebook. I uh, every time I lost weight, I took a picture of the scales and stuff like that. Um, you know, and it was like, it was falling off like butter. Mm -hmm. But I was full, you know. I eat a lot, you know. Um, you know, I've gained a couple pounds back. That happens after you get in a relationship. You're chilling with your woman and stuff. And she cooks, mm -hmm. like, a lot. Mm -hmm. She cooks. Love her. But, mm -hmm. boy, she cooks and she bakes. So, I have to get back to the gym because you can be a fat vegan too. I learned. You can be a fat vegan. I, I actually you healthy, but you fat. Right? Yeah. I've I've seen a I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of but just like you said I've seen a lot of heavier. Yeah, everyone's heavy, man. Also, so. yeah. I mean, and you know, and then you have a you know a couple vegans now that are what you call junk food vegans that eat things that don't harm animals, but they don't do anything good for you. Oreos, right. um, some Doritos. Uh, there, there's a lot of junk food stuff that's like accidentally vegan. And <laughs> some of these vegans, they just go crazy for it. Like, I'm just eat a whole bunch of damn Oreos. At least the animals are safe. But I'm like, well, what about you, man? Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I mean, if you're dying and you're big... How are you going to spread the message? That's you know, that's where it's how are you going to spread the message? So I personally, you know, my wife just had a, a baby. So she was she was pregnant in 2017. And I kind of got pregnant, too, with, uh, you know, the food. Yeah. She's getting bigger. Yeah. I'm getting bigger. You know, so now I know I have to get back 
to a place to to be able to show people and tell people, look, you can look like this, you can have this, you can be 50 and up and over and still be able to climb mountains, run around, act a fool, you know, uh, it's just, it, it can be done, but I mean, I I love the vegan lifestyle. Uh, there is a, a huge documentary coming out from James Cameron. Uh, James Cameron has produced a, a documentary called The Game Changers, uh, where he's talking to you know all the celebrities, all the athletes, and stuff like that. That's coming out in a couple months, but it, it's going to blow you away. It's going to blow your socks off. It's going to make you think twice about how you are fueling your body. I mean, if people are putting good gas and, and good oil in their car, but yet they'll go throw some, you know, throw some junk in their body, it doesn't make much sense to me, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if you can't pronounce the ingredients on that box, don't put it in you. Yeah, yeah I mean, you try not to try not to do that, man. I mean, it, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Um, I have a friend that was um, he was a bodybuilder and. Um, he he wasn't he, he wasn't vegan and uh, he did a lot of whey protein and stuff like that. Man, it blew his heart out and uh, you know he had to get surgery and you know all that stuff. So he's living on uh, pins and needles with a bad heart because you know he's just a regular guy that they did a lot of bodybuilding back in the day. You know and he's yeah. uh, like fifty six now. Uh, he eats better. And uh, he's fit now. Uh, lost a lot of weight. He was easily 350, and uh, now he's like 190, maybe 200. You know, mm-hmm. but he had to wake up. And that stuff is not—it's it's not something to play with. I, I treat food as—I um, mean, I, I bless my food. You know, I, I'm like, this is here for me to put in my body to fuel me for the next day, so I can do what I need to do while I'm here on this earth, you know. I'm not here for long, you know, but while I'm here, you know, let's do it right. Yeah. So, you know. We're supposed to eat for for, for energy and fuel versus yes. eat for Pleasure. taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, just driving over here tonight and just kind of remembering how people, when they get in a the car, they just, oh, man, let me stop by and grab a bite or let me go to the store and grab a drink or let me do this and do that. You know, how easy it was to just go through drive throughs and just pop a burger and some fries in. And you know, it's so easy, but mm-hmm. you don't really need it. You mm-hmm. know, you're, you're eating out of habit. You're eating yeah. out of boredom. And I do that a lot. Me you, too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, you, you know, you're eating a lot of boredom and stuff like that. Uh, you know, sweets are, are my weakness. Me you too. Know? Mm-hmm. Love some sweets, but, you know, uh, I have to keep it in check. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm older than you guys, you know. I'm like, how old are you? Like 28. 28, you know, 28. I'm 50. You know, I'm 50 and it's like, I, I got to, I can't do it like you guys do it, you know. Yeah. I can't eat like you guys. You got to be a little so, bit more selective. Oh, I got to yeah. be very selective, so. And, and I'm a I'm a believer in and figure out what 90% of people are doing and do the complete opposite. So I've, yeah, I'm, I've, been, a lot, I've been open to, to learning about okay. it. Yeah. I haven't educated myself on it, if, but I'm actually kind of the opposite. I yeah. actually like, uh, not even for like the, the health and, and things like that, mm-hmm. but more for uh, <laughs> the, the animal cruelty is actually what kind of gets me. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, I mean, my dad was a butcher a... too. He, he was cutting Ooh. these bad boys like in front of us. Like oh. we're watching it as kids. I know, and, man. As, know, and as we were I growing know. up, we watched like all these Disney movies of the animals like sticking together and like yeah, trying to escape make, the farm. Yeah. And like we were on their sides, like we, they were our homies. Our and, you know what I mean? And now we're eating them. Like <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. So I, I like the pigs, man. I don't want to eat that. <laughs> yeah, man. You know. So, but health is wealth. I mean, uh, anybody out there, if you're not taking care of your health first. Man, everything else can just go to the side. It's it's not even worth it. You can have a million bucks, but if you're laying in the hospital, so what? Yeah. Like, really, <laughs> you know, a yeah. you know, million dollars, so what? You're yeah. dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't know how. Take care of that health yeah. first. Absolutely. And, and, you know, even if, uh, you know, even if you just add more vegetables to your diet, now, you know, Starting you don't have somewhere. to be vegan, but just add more, mm-hmm. you will... Um, they they say that you will uh, uh, cut back 
the the chance of of cancer by adding more um, vegetables to your diet. You know, the more fiber. You mm-hmm. know, that's what people are missing. Fiber. You know. Yeah. And so it's all just uh, stuffed up in you and all that stuff. You know. Yeah. It's, it's not good, man. It's causing. Uh, you know, I got so many people I know with cancer and and all these diseases. I mean, it was just a, a natural decision for me. I'm Easy. like. I don't want to be diseased up like my family. You know, I don't like going to the doctor at all. Mm-hmm. So let me do something to avoid that, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have <clears throat> I have a one and the actually one of the last questions. Yeah. Um unless Randall you have any any other ones that you want to knock out? No. This question is what advice do you have for up and coming artists for artists, for, no. for up and coming even not even I wouldn't even just narrow it down just to just artists but yeah. entrepreneurs what advice do you have for them? Well, I would say first, you you got to seek your passion, you know, because if you love what you're doing, you know, you never have to work a day in your life. So you got to love it. So when it's bad, you can still keep going, you know, because yeah. <laughs> you love what you're doing. Um, and and that can be anything. Like if, if a man just loves to to make money, so he, he opens up uh, an insurance company. He's making money. He's doing what he loves to do, you know. He's he's setting groundwork for building businesses. You know, I love to just build businesses, um, whether it be a bakery, a restaurant, uh, a gym. You know, it's a business that can provide a, a positive message to your neighborhood. You know, if something has a positive message, I, I just say, you know, do your passion. It's it's easier to get through if if it's something you love um but man uh don't let um distractions get in the way uh that's why i talked about turning off the facebook it's a distraction it's built to distract you (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. it's built for that um a lot of this uh a lot of this stuff is built to distract you from uh, ultimately finding your place in this universe yeah. to ultimately taking things to the next level. They have no interest in too many people becoming number ones. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they need a couple number ones and a whole lot of number fives. You know, <laughs> the number fives are the guys that, you know, are working in the, the McDonald's of the world. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying don't be 30. 35 at McDonald's. You know, you can be a teenager there, but yeah. don't be grown up. Um, one of my mentors said, if you're born poor, that's not your fault. But if you die poor, that is that's your fault. You. It's on you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't die poor. <laughs> yeah, I do have a question. <laughs> yes. Um, so how did, how did you price, you know, your either your artwork or your uh, your comic ah. books? How did you mm. discover that valuing part? Because that's something I mm-hmm. still uh, battle with because I'm not trying. I'm, I know I'm starting off, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to devalue myself in the process. I, and of course. I've been raising my prices yearly, but yeah. I know I'm worth more. And what I put into this business and what mm-hmm. I put into this skill what would you I say? Like how do you how do you how do you find your value? Uh, okay, um, let's see. When I came back into comics, I actually came back into uh, 2013. So it was like I had almost uh, you know 10 years out of the game, you know. <laughs> but it called me back in. Uh, at that point, I was doing you know sketches and stuff like that on eBay. And, you know, making 50 bucks a sketch, you know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. And that's like, and I know a lot of guys that do that. I'm not knocking that, but it is a rat race. It's like a hamster in a wheel. And it was in 2015, I said, I have to take my game to the next level. And that's the first time. It was May 2015. I started to paint. I started to watercolor. And with those watercolors, I said, I'm increasing my value. I'm taking my name to the you know next level. So I started popping them at 300, 500 to 1,000. And I started getting it. And I'm like, okay. So I, I just threw it out. You just got to throw it out there with your price. Walk away. If somebody, <laughs> hey, the, the way I had to tell myself is if, you can't buy it is because you can't afford it. 
Right. Art's a luxury. And I can't worry about what you can afford. That ain't that ain't my problem. Mm. Right. You know, you know, I'm dealing with someone that can afford five hundred dollars for my piece, a thousand dollars. I'm gonna deal with that, those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like, oh man, you're too high, too high for who? Mm-hmm. Too high for you? Yeah, <laughs> I might be too high for you. You need yeah. two jobs that's, to deal with me. You know, right. <laughs> you know? so that's, that's what you gotta tell yourself. You're like, hey, look, man, I'm worth this. It took me this amount of time. I've, I've brought my name to this level. So this is my price. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I could be sitting there, uh, I don't know, sitting in a cardboard box with a stack of artwork that no one bought. You know, <laughs> I could be that guy, but I'm not. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not that guy. Yeah. Um, That's kind of good advice, though, because... I'm sure we all run into it. Yeah. I, I I run into that in the insurance well, industry. You run sure. into that in personal training and not you know, the thing is, I'm not that guy, but I'm willing to be that guy. That's when you price yourself. I'm willing to be homeless in order to stand my ground on what I'm worth. Mm, that's you cool. know? I'm I'm willing to you know and also you gotta ask yourself, what do you wanna do? If money was no issue, if you didn't need money, if you didn't, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? And you ask yourself that question, oh, well, I'd still do this, I'd still do that. Well, then that's what you need to do because that's the love. You know, money is no issue. It's no problem. So you love something. That's what you're going to do. And I thought about art. I would do the same art I'm doing right now as if I was sitting in a prison cell on death row. Mm-hmm. Wow. All alone. If they if they gave me pencil and paper, that's what I would be doing. Same thing in a jail cell that I would do in a mansion. So I know why I'm here. So I'm here to tell some stories. Some are good, some are bad, some are fun, but they're all me. So you know. And uh, another one's when you first started the the comic book stuff, how much of it was just you or how did you get any help in the early process or was it mainly just you? Uh, well, in the early process, like writing and doing the art, um, it was just me. You know, I'd had someone do the lettering, um, and uh, but I think after, uh, I'd say after the first year is when I started hiring other artists to come in, and then uh, I started to expand the company, and that was me not being grateful for where I was and being greedy and wanting more <laughs> more books out, I was greedy. And because I was looking at other guys above me and I was like, man, I need to make money like that dude. I need to make money like that dude. Keep in mind, I'm doing 100000 a month and I'm talking like I ain't making no money. Wow. That's me being a fool. That's me being young and dumb. And um, if I could go back in time, I, it would have just been me completely forever and not hired a whole bunch of people to try to blow up the company Mm. Uh, because ultimately it bit me in the ass and uh, you know I had to let everyone go (laughs) so that that was part of the business uh, uh, the business side that I had to learn learn the hard way but I enjoy learning the hard way you know sometimes you got to fall down the hill man yeah you got to fall down sometimes so you can get back up so I learned how to get back up Mm. And get back up and get back up. And yes, Rocky is my favorite uh, franchise. You know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how he got knocked down and kept getting back up. And even Rocky Three, one of my favorite movies, is because Rocky was famous, rich, and he got soft. And that's how I said to myself, I got soft. Mm. I got rich. I got soft, full of myself, and boom, life knocked my ass down like Clubber Lang knocked. Down Rocky, knocked his ass out. He had to go back to the grit, had to go back to the streets in order to find that fire. And that's what I had to do. I had to go back to the streets. I had to go back to square one, find out who who I am, what I'm made of. And once I uh, came back up again, then I knew, uh, you, you know, you're almost indestructible at that point. 
You know, you're really indestructible because bad things are going to keep coming at you. But as long as you know you got this, man, it's, it's just it's nothing. I don't let anything affect me now. You know, you can watch the news and there's a lot of sad stuff. And, you know, it's like, well, that's life. That's part of life. You know, the sad, the good, it's all part of one thing. You know, I'm just going through this journey of being a human, but my journey's not complete until I'm dead. Then I've completed the journey of being a human being. Let me be the best version of Everett Hart so I can be. Um, so you take the good, you take the bad, and it's all one thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I have one last question, yeah. and this is something that I've been struggling with and and uh, I really want to know if you could give me some advice with okay. it. Um, the first few months of starting this business, I've been just doing request orders, doing stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. And I finally, mm-hmm. not even finally, I've been feeling that tug like I feel like a human copy machine. Yeah. And I've been <laughs> wanting to create what I like, what it yeah. sounds like you did. Yes. Create what I like and then see who bring who I can draw with what I like. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have to go through a stage where you were doing this, like doing it like for commissions. people's? Or for people. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, a lot of artists do commissions, fan art, and stuff like that to, to just keep money going. And uh, I fell into that trap as well because it is easier money, it's fast money, mm-hmm. but I took the word easy out of my vocabulary. I just took it out. I'm like, I don't want anything easy. Right. Because e- easy just, it messes you up, man. If it's easy, it, it's, it'll mess you up. Uh, you know, for me, for me. So I took the word easy out. Uh, and, and when I talk to other people and I tell them about different ideas for businesses and stuff, and if they say, well, that doesn't sound too easy, well, then it's just, it's not for you, man. Yeah. Or, uh, well, let me do something that's kind of easy to get that quick money. You know, easy, quick. I, I don't like those those words. Mm-hmm. They got to go. They got to go, man. Easy and quick. They got to go. So if you're... You know, if you're doing uh, requests and, and commission work because you're you're bringing in the money, just understand that if you get hooked into that, uh, it could, you know, it could just put you in the hamster wheel. That's what I'll be doing. And then you're just spinning, spinning, spinning. I jumped out of that. I jumped out, you know. When I decided uh, from the, the eBay fan art, to doing my own thing in paintings and stuff, I'm making more money. Uh, of course, I have to find um, people with the money to be able to afford that art. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just, um, hey, look, you you are who you hang around. So if you hang around a bunch of broke people, man, you will be the next one broke. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. So, yeah. You, you put yourself on, you know, and yeah, say, hey, look, man, this is this is who I am and this is what I do. So, and this is my price. And I'm starting to Trust do me, they will, to do yeah. they will yeah. pay. They will pay. The right people will. They mm-hmm. will pay. Yeah. I just got to trust it. And, and for entrepreneurs out there, plenty of money out there. Don't let the news fool you. Don't yes. let the stock market fool you. Don't let anything fool you. Rich people love to spend money. There's plenty of it out there. Mm-hmm. They want to get rid of it. They want to buy things. They want to feel. And then middle class people, they want to come up. So they want to buy things that are expensive, maybe a little bit more than they can afford. But at the end of the day, they feel good about buying it. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel good. So that's why people pay $8 at Starbucks because yeah. it feels good. It's mm-hmm. not that the coffee's that good. Right. Everyone can buy a coffee machine and make that same coffee. Yeah. Ten cents. But why do they go to Starbucks? Because yep. it's a feeling. Yeah. So I agree with that. Your art, your training, your 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 business is it needs to be a feeling, and then people will give you exactly what you want because mm-hmm. they get that good feeling from you. Yeah. So <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Well. We're going to wrap up okay. here. Okay, all right. Everett, it I just awesome. want, I want to send a couple acknowledgments your way. Um, you might not realize this, but back in high school, when you barely knew me, <laughs> you told, uh, it was either Alexis or Raven, you told one of them, like, that Nick guy is going to be a millionaire. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and that stuck with well, me ever since. There's two people that have said said yep. something and I, I knew it, man. Or thought highly of me back in the day, yeah, and, you were, yeah. and you were one of them. 
And uh, and so I appreciate I, I, that. It well, stuck with me. I can see, uh, you know, I, I can read people pretty good. And I've I seen something in you. Uh, I was working at Subway. <laughs> that, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter, man. You see, that doesn't matter. tell by the way you cut them pickles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. It, it's where you're going. It doesn't matter where you are. Right. It matters where you're going. Right. And... Um, and I, I, I seen that. I said, man, this guy's going to make it, you know, because you're very, um, very polite, uh, professional and stuff. Uh, you came to my house uh, mm-hmm. before you guys went uh, to the prom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually told uh, I actually told Raven uh, the other day, I said, you know something? If Nick wanted to run for, like, some type of county, state office, I said, man, I would get – I would back him. I would back him. I would help him promote. I would push him out there to, to you know, be in politics. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Something you need to think about, man. That's awesome, man. I'm telling you. But you know, I, in politics, man. I just wanted to acknowledge acknowledge that oh, yeah. because, like I no said, problem. it stuck with me. But also, not only that, I just want to acknowledge you for the, for the person that you are. Well, You're a positive force in the community and you might not realize that but you know when you go on social media there's a lot of a lot of you know indifferent energies for lack of a better yes, word yes. there's a lot of just it just, is nobody's really yeah. being a shining light right. um right. in my opinion yeah. and yeah. and the stuff that you stand for the positivity that you share it really does make a difference and i just want to acknowledge oh, you for thank that you, man. so thank you so keep doing what you're doing, you're doing you've, been, you've, you've been a huge inspiration for myself like i said uh, we appreciate you being on the podcast. You, oh, thanks, you spit man. a lot of fire. This yes. is one of the best podcasts we've oh, had. Man. I mean, this is so. fun, man. I mean, I, I love to see uh, young guys coming up um, and, and being entrepreneurs, doing your thing. You guys are your inspiration to me as well. You know, I'm like, okay, so these guys, they got it going on. And, and it's like I, I, I take myself back in time to to your age I'm like, man, if I had what they had now, you know, my life would be a little more easier. Yeah. But then again, I'm like, you know something? You had more than you had than we had. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I didn't have it up, up upstairs. Uh, I didn't have it in my mind, you know. And um, But, look, all your life experiences, man, it all comes to one. And if you're happy where you are right now, then everything bad that happened before had to happen. Right, it had to happen that way because you're That's happy good. now. Mm. You're in a good place now. So absolutely, you know, and uh, just stay positive. Keep uh, keep your alliances positive. Keep the people you deal with positive. I mean, mm. you know, you can't let too much uh, negativity get in. It's so easy. It's yeah. so easy. Absolutely, that it's scary. So. <laughs> how can how can people find you on Facebook, on Instagram, yeah. uh, and and even your artwork and, and your oh, my and everything else? Um, like, how can people find you? Uh, eheartso.com. Uh, that's e h a r t s o e dot com. Uh, I also have uh, houseofheartso.com. So those two places have the art. They have um, you know. Uh, links to my Facebook if if people want to follow me on Facebook, you know I, I do have um, you know people that just want to follow me for my quotes and you know where I just spit out a little positive stuff. I mean there's enough negativity out there. There's you know it, it's a hundred percent negative on the news and stuff yep. like that. I'm just coming in throw just a little positive or jolt somebody. Mm-hmm. You know so, some people take offense. But, you know, I'll jolt you. I'll kick you in the butt. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will tell you like it is. Um, you know, uh, I posted up, um, if you do something you love, you never have to work a day in your life. And one girl said, well, I'm too old now to be a dancer. You know, and I said, you know something? I used to think age meant something until my dad at 56 started running marathons. Mm-hmm. Now he's... N- Closing in on, he's 65 now. He's closing in on his 400th marathon. Wow. The dude has a china cabinet filled with trophies. Mm. I mean, he's winning in his age group. Mm. So that's my dad. And, you know, uh, you know I, I didn't know him till later in life, but, but still, at 56, he decided to start running. That's crazy. That's nuts. That, that's mm. insane to me. Hey, and now. 
not only running, but he's killing it. He's killing yeah. the game. Is wow. a 65 year old man. He killing the game, taking trophies from young bucks. <laughs> <laughs> when you could take a trophy from a young buck, and he's a great grandfather. Wow. So if you're taking <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> taking trophies from young bucks, wow. hey man. So so there's eHeartso. There's e-heartso. House of com. There's House of Heartso. Um, what about Instagram? Uh, yeah, yeah. Instagram is also the real Everett Hartso. And then Facebook, Everett Hartso. Yes. That's Everybody be sure to check out The Curse of Sleeping Beauty. It's on Netflix. Yep. And then be on the lookout for the Razor film. Uh, is that coming out in 2018? That will start to shoot this summer. We're okay. going to be shooting it in the UK this summer. And so you're going to go out there and everything? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, cool. I mean, uh, hopefully he, he writes a cool cameo in there. I just want to fight. You don't want to be like Stan Lee. <laughs> Stan Lee. I want to be a thug, yeah. though. Get in there. You might let Razor kill me. You might as well, man. <laughs> but yeah, we're, say a little cheesy quote and then blah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. But yeah, we're, we're shooting um, in the UK, uh, in Ireland, Um so and you know different places in Europe there. So they they start casting real soon. That's awesome. So on these uh, social networks, I'll be able to let people know who Razor is going to be. Uh, and um, can't wait. Yeah, uh, I can't wait either. That's awesome. <laughs> we appreciate you, All boss right, man. You, Thank you Thank so you. much. Hey, it's good to, good to meet you guys, man. Good to Thank kick you it so much, man. Appreciate All you. Right. Thank you for listening to the Barbells and Briefcases podcast. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure you subscribe to us so that way you can be up to date and get notifications as soon as new ones come out. And if you're listening on iTunes, please make sure to give us a five-star review and let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you enjoyed the show and got something out of it today, please go ahead and uh, share us with a friend Uh, Don't keep us to yourself. Uh, We're trying to grow the podcast, and we'd love to, to get as many new listeners as we possibly can. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Have a great day. We'll see you on the next episode.